0: Likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money making
1: conversations. Here we go.
0: Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm back again. Your host, Rashawn McDonald. I always tell people it's time to stop reading other people's success stories. I say that every time I start this show. It's time you start doing your job and writing your own story. And I always tell people to lead with their gifts and don't let their friends, age, especially age, stop you from uh, planning your dreams or living your dreams. My interviews always include uh, consumers. Uh, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I call industry decision makers. My next guest, he's an industry decision maker. He's a celebrity because he's on TV every night. He's an entrepreneur. His name is Don Lemon. He's the host of CNN Tonight with Don Lemon, and he's America's only black primetime anchor. In 2020, Don was the leading voice on CNN, guiding viewers like me through the death of George Floyd on the summer of nationwide protests and riots. The viewers and myself, we depended on him nightly to guide us through the global pandemic. I recently got a vaccine. I'm going to tell you something. He guided me through the process of being mature enough to deal with that and go get the vaccine. And I got it yesterday. Now, in an urgent, deeply personal and riveting plea, his new book shows us how deep our problems lie with racism and what we can do to begin to fix the problem. The book is entitled This is the Fire, What I Say to My Friends About Racism. Don brings his vast audience and experience as a reporter and a black man. To today's most urgent question: How can we end racism in America in our lifetime? Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Don Lemon.
1: Krishan thank you so much. It's good to be with you again. And wow, what an introduction!
0: Well, <laughs> you know, some man it was it was emotional, you know, because I read the book, and the the book was a journey. And I, I say that to everybody that uh, before I get into detail about the book, one of the things that uh, I love what you said. If somebody says they have the answer to racism, basically walk away from because they lied and you said right. in the book, because that's true. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, I said, I wanted to write this book because I thought I had some uh, things that I could speak to and that I could speak because I'm at the, uh, really at the matrix of, as you so keenly pointed out of everything that happens in this country, every single night or every weeknight, at least sometimes on weekends, sometimes seven nights a week. Uh, and I'm just sort of guiding people through the process. And so, um, so you're right on about that. I, it was, it was, it's a, it, it was a tough thing to write this book knowing, um, what I know and experiencing what I've experienced. And it was, um, as you said, very personal just before, just before I hung up with you a couple minutes, I mean, just before I got on with you a couple of minutes ago, um, you know, my, I write the the letter to my nephew in the beginning Mm -hmm. of the book, Mm -hmm. my niece and her um, husband called, which is Trishad, my great nephew, who I write the letter to, it's his mom and his stepdad. And they called me and they were so emotional about the book. And they didn't realize just how personal and how candid it would be. And they said, they were actually crying, (laughs) reading the book. And he's like, and, you know, his stepdad, Jeffrey said, I'm not an emotional person, but Don, you made me cry. Mm-hmm. I believe this book is going to be a classic, and in 100 years, people are going to be reading it. And I said, what? So yes. there you go.
0: But well, you know, in that letter, it was it was a couple of things made me smile. When you say, we share the same forehead, nose, and well-articulated arm bones. Arm bones. What is that? What is that?
1: <laughs> Come on. That, uh, you know... You know, well articulated arm bones. That everything is in the right place. Right, right. Um, um, it, there's a there's a photo of us at the beach from a couple of summers ago, mm-hmm. and um, very similar. He's a, he has the younger body, right. uh, the younger version uh, of me. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at that. I said, "Look, we have the same arms, and we have the same." This is weird. <laughs> and so that I said, "How would I put that in there instead of saying?" You know, it's so simple to say we have the same arm, but say, Why don't I say the same well-articulated arm? Both. I loved it. They, they made me it's smile dead. because a book like this, you <laughs> want to smile.
0: You want to find those moments of happiness because it's the truth. And sometimes when you deal with racism and, I, and you know, white people, they always say, you have to say white people, can you just move on? You know, we know there's a problem. Can we move on? No, that's not me. They don't really realize the vast nature of how racism is so undercover. Uh, the beauty of electing a person, like you said, with Donald Trump in 2016, to me, you said he led us to the fire.
1: And it, yeah. what exactly is the fire? Well, he led us to the fire and, he, and, and then poured gasoline on it. Absolutely. Um, the fire is, in, in James Baldwin's uh, book, um, The Fire Next Time, which was, this was a tribute to, right? That's why I, one of the reasons that I um, fashioned the book in the way that I fashioned it is because James Baldwin is my literary hero. Um, as I was, as I read, I read the fire next time a couple of times a year. And as all of these events were unfolding, um, in the last few years and especially the last year in the summer of 2020, I wanted to write something. I was inspired to write something that was short, that was concise and that was powerful. And I wrote it in the fashion of, James Baldwin. That's why James Baldwin starts the fire next time with a letter to his nephew, 100 years after the emancipation proclamation on the anniversary of 100 years. Mm -hmm. And he starts by saying something like, we know that we're celebrating or we're writing this, you know, I've begun this letter uh, um, uh, a thousand times and I've torn it up. And then he says, we know that we're celebrating this anniversary a hundred years too soon, even though it's a hundred year anniversary of the emancipation proclamation. And when he said, God gave Noah the rainbow sign, no more water, the fire next time. To me, that was an indication in a call after watching someone die on camera um, that we were in the fire and that we were at an inflection point in our society. Um, and either we could decide as a group of people to continue on to towards a more perfect union mm-hmm. uh, rather than a divisive union or regressing to a time where um, people of color and marginalized people did not have equal rights. Under the law, under the Constitution, or at least under the law, under the Constitution, they should have, but not weren't treated that way. And so I believe that we are this is the fire that we're in right now. And if we don't fix this, mm-hmm. then it's going to get hotter and worse and we will never fix it. We're at an inflection point where it needs to change.
0: And then in the book, we talk about it, I think it was a great segue because you say, well, perfect union, because at the age of 33 yeah. in your book, you talk about Thomas Jefferson and his writing but before we go there let's go back to 1619 as you talk in the book when it really all started you know mm-hmm. and, and you know men and women of dark complexion a colored complexion, skin were sold as slave in 1619 and then you mm-hmm. jump to Thomas Jefferson at the age of 32 and when they wanted to do right but they were shouted down by men who didn't want to do right because they said who's going to pick yeah. the cotton I'm not picking the cotton so, the car's
1: uh, not going to pick
0: itself. Right. <laughs> and then because it was it, like I said, it was a beautiful book. First of all, I want to compliment you on that because I read a lot of books and and what captures me as a as a reader is emotion. And it also you're a very colorful writer. In other words, mm-hmm. I actually felt the moments. I felt uh, Thomas Jefferson's issues that he had in your writing. And then you jump to uh, Miss Maude Terry in uh, 1947. It gets personal with you because you start talking about your life. You know, you start talking about this is an area of the country that you live in. And she, as a black woman, was in a position to purchase land and the issues that she had to deal with. And then you jump even further to George Floyd in 2020. Why was it important to have these transitional time moments in your book to set the stage?
1: Because I think it was important to show the, the true history of the country and the contributions of, of black people, of mm-hmm. people of color, of, of um, people who were descendants of, of slaves. I thought it was important to be able to point that out because I don't think that we can solve this unless we start at the beginning. And the beginning is a true history of this country. You mentioned 1619. And there's a 1619 project. But there's also what we should realize is that long before the Mayflower was here, there were people who came over mm-hmm. who made the journey across the Atlantic and they were Africans and there were people who helped to build this country for free. So while we look upon the descendants or the people who came over on the Mayflower as some sort of, some sort of vaunted or celebrated position, um, perhaps that we should teach the history of the people who came over before them as well and who actually built the country for free as slaves, slave labor. And, um, so I use Monterey because Monterey, that should be taught in our history books to uh, American history to kids. Mm-hmm. As we teach Christopher Columbus discovered America, Christopher Lumb- Columbus did not discover mm-hmm. America. America was here long before Christopher Columbus was here. Mm-hmm. Just ask any native American. And it's insulting <laughs> to people actually to learn that because it's not the truth. If you want to say Christopher Columbus conquered America or that, um, that Europeans conquered America, mm-hmm. okay, that might be a fair statement. So that um, people like Ma Terry and her sister Ameza and um, the German coast uprising, which I write about, and a number of other things that in, in instances in the book that include African-Americans or African, um, how African people contributed to this country. I think that's where we start with the truth. From the beginning, and that's why I wove all of those instances in, into the book to try to bring it all from the past, from the beginning, into the present.
0: Now, you say in the book you do not pretend to have any answers, and then the the book is this is the fire. What I say to my friends about racism what what response are you giving to your friends? So
1: the response that the biggest response is that we have to do the work. Yes, is that there is a shared responsibility that we all have as Americans. Where we can't say, well, you know, my people didn't do this and my right. people didn't do that and I didn't own slaves and I didn't. But, um, there, but there were people in this country um, who weren't able to vote, weren't able to get an education, who uh, were not able to live what they, where they wanted, and weren't able to, which is the biggest part of it, is to earn generational wealth. Right. And, but who helped to build the wealth for wealthy people and which offers what an ease in society Mm -hmm. and a comfort uh, and a level of privilege that that isn't afforded to most people uh, of color in this country and so what i tell them is that again they must know their history start from the beginning and teaching their children the the real history of this country Mm -hmm. but i also tell people that the difference is going to be made with the relationship because When you see people as human, when you see people's humanity, it's hard to discriminate against them. It's hard to dehumanize them. And it's even more difficult to put your knee on their neck for almost nine minutes on a street in front of the world to see. So relationships. Get to know people who don't look like you.
0: That's really important. And really, it was a... It was interesting things when I talk, I try to talk out of, when I talk to my staff or I talk to my family or talk to my, my daughter, I always talk about the reality of what Donald Trump was to this country. I always felt that. And I tell the people this, I said, if Hillary Clinton would have won in 2016, I think that we needed this gut check because I felt that Donald Trump pushed this country into a state of racist reality. And mm-hmm. it brought out a lot of people who are boldly... Letting them know how they feel about race, but boldly letting them know, let you know what side of the aisle they're willing to stand on. Do you think that's good or bad? Because myself, I think I want to know what a person thinks yeah. instead of them hiding what they think.
1: I want to know as well. I would rather someone tell me who they are. I would rather know who they are. And we do now. And that's why I say in the book that he was the president we deserved and probably the president we needed now. Would would it have been better if it if we could have learned the same lessons through a different person with a different experience? Yes, but all things being what they were and what they are right now, we must look at the reality, and that yes. is that he exposed um, for us the the symptoms of what was boiling or going on beneath the surface, and he's the one that sent us into the doctor's office to have it diagnosed, and then fixed whatever that is whether it's a long uh process of of convalescing and trying to get better and um and recovery or whether it's just to excise the problem and try to do it immediately and and as fast as possible but whatever it is he led he exposed it and he led us here and now we know we don't have to live in um some um that false yes. reality yes. that we thought that we were post-racial because we're not.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the thing about it, I, it, here's the interesting part about my life. And, you know, when you, you know, you develop a relationship with a person like you. You know, I value the time I spend with you now, but I even value the time I spend with you when I'm at my home, and I turn you on. And that's that's an honesty about you, Don. Please expound on that because it's it's riveting to me. Last night when I saw you interview the uh, Capitol Police officer who had, uh, and you and and 12 uh, Republican members of Congress didn't want to honor them because they didn't see the January 6th event as an insurrection, even though uh, five people died at that little, I guess, protest that got out of hand. I guess that's what they're calling it. I don't know. But uh, this man, you know, he used the word uh, racial slur. He didn't want to use the N-word. But he was mentally bruised and may take years of therapy to recover from that moment. But you was the interviewer. How did you, how were you taking all that and then maintaining emotion?
1: Well, I have to because... um I am the facilitator. Right. And if I lose my composure, then you don't get anything out of the interview. But at the very beginning of the interview, uh, I started talking to him and then he said, I'm sorry, I stopped. I didn't expect to be this emotional. Right. And so I said to him, it's okay. Go ahead and talk to us. Why are you emotional? And then it gets, then he has to explain it. Um, it, it gives him a place to go rather than going down, uh, spiral and in, spiraling into his emotions. Sometimes you just have to allow it and let people say what they want to say. But I think it was more productive um, that he explained his feelings and why he had become so emotional. And he said, because I hadn't really had a chance before this interview, the way I set it up the interview, he said, it gave him a fuller perspective or more fulsome perspective nice. about um, what had transpired and what people thought about it. And also, he had done uh, one earlier interview, and in that earlier interview, he had not spoken to his fellow officers. Right. And after speaking to his fellow officers, he got more of their experiences, and that cut even deeper. Right. Because one of, one of his fellow officers said to him, um, the protesters were not only calling you know, me the N-word, but they said, hey, N-word, you have that rifle in your hand. You're so big and bad. Why don't you put that rifle down and we'll show you how big of an N-word you are. Mm -hmm. And this is a police officer Mm -hmm. who is, who puts his life on the line every day. And these people are out there supposed to be supporters of the police officers and, you know, so-called blue lives matter, but they're beating them with blue lives matter flagpoles and signs. So, um, that's, that's why he was emotional because he had had time to absorb it. He hadn't had time to absorb it before. I think he was somewhat still uh, in a state of shock.
0: We know in in reading this book, you know, great picture on the back, by the way. I love that picture. Where where was it taken at? Thank you. Where was it taken at?
1: That was taken in the backyard of my house in front of, uh, I have a shed in the backyard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What is it? A shed in the backyard, and that's the door to the shed. Uh, And I'm actually um, standing right next to, there's a... Hydrangea bushes that I'm trying not to crush.
0: Because I, said, you know, as a book you write about a black man with white heritage, you embody both the struggle and the hope of reconciliation. You know, and I look at this very simple picture, and it's and it works for you. You know, you know, I don't see the tie, I don't see the look I see on TV, and you have an amazing smile. That's why I, it's always with me and you when I interview you. I really want to see the smile, but I I, I have to balance that because. <laughs> You're such a, you know, your, your business is serious. You're a, guy, you're, you're a guy who has to, who present the whole process of being serious and also informative. Talk to us before yeah. we exit on this brilliant book, This Is The Fire, What I Say to My Friends About Racism by Don Lemon. Give us a wrap up, my friend, so we can sell some more books. Tell me what you want to know.
1: What do you want to know from me? Where do we go?
0: You know, without revealing the process of your book, but where do we go? How do we, what, what do I have to do? I, you know, I feel I'm doing a good job.
1: We go with honesty. Mm -hmm. We go with a sense of openness. We go with a vulnerability, the same vulnerability, uh, and the same mindset that we had, uh, during the summer of 2020, when we were locked in our homes, uh, when, um, when our hearts and our minds were open and then we saw someone, uh, die in front of our eyes. Mm -hmm. We go with that vulnerability and we have to, to, um, to a large degree, trust that our countrymen will do the right thing, but trust, Yet, verify. but i would I would say, uh, but here's what I think again, and I hate to keep harping on this, and I know people think it's, you know, it may sound trite. We have to establish relationships, especially with people who do not look like us. Yes. the people who do not live, uh, particularly maybe in our same neighborhood or travel in our same circles. That is the only way it's going to happen. We have to begin to respect and learn and love each other. And see each other's humanity, and that, and 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 then beyond that, we have to begin to do the work. That's it. We got to do the work, and and doing the work requires an open mind and an open heart.
0: Well, you've done the work. You've written a brilliant book, an informative book, an emotional book. this is the fire. What I say to my friends about racism. What you say to me every night makes me feel good and informs me and gives me hope, Don Lemon. Don't you stop. And you are the primetime
1: black man for America. And <laughs> from, from now till Rashawn, I die. OK. <laughs> Rashawn, thank you so much. for this. I really appreciate all your support. Uh, and thank you for your kind words And I'll be talking to you Tonight on my show And hopefully I'll be back here on your show as well
0: Okay, big timer Stay safe And uh, we'll win big Okay
1: you too. I love this book. Thank you, sir Thank you
0: If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews Please go to MoneyMakingConversation.com I'm Rashawn McDonald I'm the host Thank you, Donald